the Cooper Talk. I'm your host, Steve Cooper. And remember, I'm only as hip as my guest. I have to tell you, I, I didn't record last week. I was in Vegas at my friend's wedding, and uh, it feels good to be back. And, you know, I usually do my rant in the beginning, but actually, we're going to go in, me and my guest are going to get in a conversation to start. There's something that happened to a friend of ours, a very funny guy named Sean Halpin, whose birthday was just recently. And this girl, I won't say who her name is, made this dreadfully awful video. And Sean was good enough. He made a very, very funny video rebuking her fat shaming statement. Now, what bothers me about this is this woman who called herself a comedian, and Sean is actually a comedian who's worked his ass off for a long time. She's getting all this recognition. That's why I won't mention her name. And it really bothers me right now how, how people who have like no talent can get on YouTube and they can sit there and they get all this attention. And then a guy like Sean Halpin, who has lots of talent, has been busting his ass for a long time, he sits there and goes on and he gets his notoriety because he had to slam someone back who slammed. That's the one thing I hate right now about the, the YouTube and all that. YouTube's great, but there's so many hacks that get a break. And then there's really good people like Sean who they get their break, hopefully, because they're sitting there smashing a hack who shouldn't be getting a break in the first place anyway my guest is uh is now is it steven kramer glickman is it steven lining kramer glickman is it steven glickman it's steven kramer glickman okay because you know it's funny because it, it's so funny it's just it says on uh, wikipedia when i did my stuff it says he's from ontario and jewish that's like, right. that's like the best line i've ever seen right. <laughs> it's crazy one ontario and jewish it's a solid take, combination i gotta take these off because they're uh they're cutting in and out today anyway so you're you're friends with sean yeah, I've known Sean for a long time. We used to work together at the comedy store uh, back in the back in the old days. Uh, I was we were both phone operators at the comedy store. Okay, like you know, like we're talking like seven, you know, seven eight years ago. And but, so, yeah. and so, what do you think about like what do you think about when like someone like this YouTube girl comes out and then I mean Sean, it was a it was a great video he did. I mean, yeah, he he did a phenomenal job. You know, I think uh, I think it's. I think it's important that um you know uh comics you know you know like uh step up to the plate and um take down you know awful people in in society. I think that's I think that's kind of like what we're supposed to do. And uh and you know Ricky Gervais did it with uh the guy that the the dentist, you know, with the that killed the lion, you know, that was all Ricky Gervais just crushing it it was like the the day he took down the dentist and he took down that lady it was like the lady that killed right. the giraffe or something like that like uh pat oswald uh came out against the fat jewish which really helped uh knock his entire career into a tailspin you know what bothers me is what bothers me is the people sit there and they a lot of people just easily call themselves a comedian like I, I did comedy on the road from 88 to 95 i'm out of the business i occasionally go on stage you want to go back east i perform but I consider myself a hobby comedian. If I wanted to go back on the road, which I don't because it's a young man's game, I would. But it just seems now it's like this girl comes on YouTube and she calls herself a comedian. Hey, just because you can think you're funny and do a little sketch. And that's the worst thing comedians hate when they go, you're doing Ooh. a sketch. Which she, But she was doing a skit, a sketch. She wasn't doing stand-up. She's like, you know, but that's what bothers me nowadays is like you go on Facebook and everyone's like such and such comedian, such and such comedian. And it's like, well, you know, if you've been doing it for a year and a half and you've never got paid for a show. I don't really think you can call yourself comedian in your name. Yeah, you know that term comedian is real loose. It's been, it, it, you know, recently it's become a very loose term for like anybody that's on Vine. You know, right. anybody that has six subscribers on Vine is now a comedian, and it, it, you know, it starts to get a little frustrating for stand-up comedians, uh, or you know, we refer to our, ourselves as comedians. Uh, but, you know, like, I think the term started getting a little loose because originally I think comedian was like, oh, you know, a comedian is a stand-up comedian. That's it. It's just that. If someone says, hey, I'm a comedian, you know, right. Jerry Seinfeld had a documentary, comedian. It's about a about stand-up comedian. But then the term started being used for, like, people that do, like, improv and stuff like that, like... uh you know, like uh, at the uh, at UCB and at Ground Links, people like that are being referred to as comedians. And you're like, oh, okay, I mean, I guess so, sort of. You know, like they're very funny people. Uh, you know, I guess you could refer to them as comedians, sort of. And then it goes from that to being like, oh, this person's got a YouTube channel where they, they uh, stand in front of a bunch of stuff and they 
yell things at the screen. Well, that is that person a comedian? And it starts, the line starts blurring, and then before you know it, it's just gone, and it's just garbage. And I can't, I mean, it drives me crazy. What drives me crazy is when a, a newspaper, like our, I just saw an article the other day in, uh, I think it was Rolling Stone or one of these magazines, and it said, top five female comedians in America. And three out of the five comedians, comedians, quote unquote, were like YouTube and Vine stars. Right. And I about lost my mind. I could, I, I can't deal with stuff like that. It gets me very, very upset. Well, we used to sit there in Philadelphia where I started out. We used to just call ourselves stand-up comics. That was the thing. It was that we were stand-up comics. And you're right, though. It's like everything. I see that, too. It's like when you see top comedians, my mindset automatically thinks stand-ups. And then I sit right. there and I go, wait a second. This person's in movies. They're an actor. You know, they're a comedic actor or people who do improv. They're imp- they're improv people or they're sketch sketch comedy people. They, I mean, it's always that thing. It's like comedians, though, to me, it's the same thing. It's like it's a stand-up comedy. Yeah. And then, you know, what ends up happening is is these horribly crappy people on YouTube will, will use uh, the term comedian as a way of, like, as an excuse for having bad behavior or being uh you know horrible people and they'll say these awful horrendous things on their youtube channel and then be like hey i'm being censored i'm the first comedian to ever be censored you're like first of all you're not a comedian no comedian has ever been censored like i mean i'm sure there's lots of comedians who've been censored but no no there's people don't get upset over a comedian being funny right you know, if you're funny to me to me i don't know if uh, i'm sure you know lots of comedians have gotten in trouble and that's gonna sound stupid but uh to me if you're if you're funny it doesn't matter what you have to say it's 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 gonna be it's fine but this girl was not funny she was she was awful she was saying horrible stuff and she was trolling the internet to try to get people to like like her next video and right. follow her on you know, Instagram and shoot me in the face. Just the worst. So now, now I'm going to ask you, now you, you're, you're a group in Canada. You're born yes. in Canada. Now, yes. as a kid, did you always want to do comedy? Or at what point did you think you wanted to do comedy? And when you were a kid, did you watch comedy? Were you, you, know, were you a fan of it? Um, yeah, I mean, uh, you know, I wanted to start doing, like, I wanted to start doing stand-up when I was like, I was like 13... 14 years old my parents got divorced and when they got divorced my um my mom as like a present to me she bought me like uh four stand-up comedy albums to like help me like feel better she bought me uh the eddie murphy album uh delirious great album. Bought, yeah yeah she bought me paulie shore's first album uh no cure for cancer dennis leary and um she bought me a uh, George Carlin album. Which Carlin? Do you remember? Uh, I think it's the New Jersey. Okay. The yeah, the New Jersey album. So I listened to those nonstop, and then she got at some comedy club in San Diego. I think the Improv that used to be in La Jolla. I think she got them as a favor to let me go to the comedy club with some of my friends at 14 years old. So you'd moved to, down to. So San- I grew up in. Yeah, I mean, I I was born in Canada, but I was I was raised in San Diego. Okay. So yeah, like I got to go and watch stand up at like 14 years old, and uh, it was mind blowing. Like you know, because you know, like you you hear it and then you actually get to see it. And uh, I always wanted to do it, but I never I didn't think I was really like funny enough to to do it. Or how do you write jokes? How do you do that kind of stuff? And then um, I actually started doing stand up about 12 years. ago. Okay, so here in Los Angeles. so you had moved here. Now, when did you decide to move here? And what, I mean, when you were in high school, what were you going to do with your life? Did you did you know you wanted to act? Or? Yeah, I mean, I always knew I wanted to act. I always knew that I wanted to to you know be in movies and TV shows or to do that kind of stuff. Like I I um you know I went to school for musical theater in New York. I went to the American Musical Dramatic Academy in See, New York. That's, that's always great, though. It's always funny because, you know, it, it is New York and it's where you need to be. Right. But I always laugh because I grew up back east. When people leave from, like, San Diego to go to school in New York, and, like it's like, I know you need to, but you're going, what are you, crazy? Like, I had a guy on, who's an actor who went to school at Rutgers, and I went, you left Los Angeles to go to New Jersey and deal with the winners. I am out here because I couldn't deal with the winners. 
What was that? I mean, you grew up in Canada, but that was when you were little. You were born in Canada. Yeah, what, yeah, What yeah, was it yeah, like yeah. going to New York? Dude, oh my God, man, New York was so incredible. It's such a, uh, it's such a beautiful place. It's such a crazy place to live, and I, uh, I totally, you know, it took me a couple years to like feel at home out there. But you know, once I, once I felt comfortable, and you know, it was just like a really fun place to like challenge myself, you know, and and kind of feel. Like, you know, I always kind of felt like once you're part of that community out there and and you know how the city works and stuff like that, it's just a it's just a great place to live. I loved it, man. And how long were you there for? Oh, my God. Uh, I don't know. Six, six years. Something okay, like that. So you're there for six years. Now, were you starting to get theater work when you were out there? Um, not really, man. Like I was like, you know, I like when I was at AMDA, they don't at the school, they don't let you audition for stuff while you're in the school. It's part of the deal with the school. Like you can't audition while you're in school because they, they want you to like stay for the whole time and then go out and audition. And also like, I didn't really know what to audition for. I didn't, I, you know, I'm a character guy, so I don't really fit into like the ensemble of, a, of Les Mis, you right. know, and I can't. You know, I'm, I can't dance, really, so I'm not going to get to be, like, the dancing guy, you know? So, like, I just wanted to be the main guy, you know? And uh, and then it kind of hit me like a ton of bricks. Like, I was in New York. It's di- if it's a little different now in New York than it was. Like, Broadway is different than it was when I was when, 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 uh, I was uh, young, a young fellow. But uh, when I was, like, 19 years old, I went... To, I was living in New York, and I went to to Times Square, and I start walking around Times Square, and it's like Tony Danza starring in Cabaret, Molly Ringwald starring right. in this musical, <laughs> uh, you know, <laughs> Philip Seymour Hoffman in this show, uh, this guy in this show, this Matthew Broderick in this one, Nathan Lane, and this, and you're like, oh, you have to be like a movie star or a TV star. It's a little different now. Now there's actually Broadway stars again, but like. At the time, there really wasn't. Like, it just felt like every single show, it was like, you know, the guy from NSYNC is coming in to be in this show. And <laughs> and I was like, man, I have to go get famous somewhere else to be able to star in a show. Like, it's never going to happen for me. So I um I moved out to California. You moved back? So I moved you- back to California and, like, moved in with my mom. And I was like... 21 22 i had no idea what i was doing like i got back out i got a job at blockbuster video and i was like this is this is it this and, is my life and you probably rented laz laz's movie i probably rented his movie yeah <laughs> rented it out probably, yeah go, rented our friend's wow. movie yeah it was rough dude like i had no idea at like 22 i'm like i'm just kind of bumming around san diego and i'm like you know i I don't really like I know I want to get into movies. I've no idea how to get up to LA. You know, I'm doing some extra work in San Diego for the first time and I was like, man, this is pretty cool, but like I don't know what to, I don't know what I'm supposed to do, you know. And then um I watched this documentary called An Evening with Kevin Smith and it was kind of kind of mind-blowing because it immediately you start seeing how Kevin did clerks and how he just like you know got a bunch of credit cards and like burnt through all of his money just making something and burning through all this credit to like make a movie and uh and i was like man i could like i could if he can do that i can do something you know like i should i should make stuff you know like if he he was able to make stuff i i got really inspired by kevin smith so i actually like hunted down a friend of a friend of a friend who had like a camera and at the time you know having like a digital camera was like a big deal you had it for weddings you know yeah, you yeah, exactly. shoot weddings or some shit so i was like okay well, we have a, a a digital camera okay and then i gotta find some actors and like asked around like knew a couple guys who would like who were still around that, that had acted and i wrote a couple small little scripts and we picked one uh we found a location and we shot it and I was in love. I was like, this is the greatest thing in the whole world. I got to get up to Los Angeles. I got to find, I got to find a way to, to like, to make it work, you know? And there was no YouTube either at the time. So it was like, we uploaded it to Google video and like, and it was like, it's just the weirdest thing in the world. I mean, just 
making something and learning how to edit stuff and try trying to edit you know from you know digital film on on a massive massive computer on like the earliest version of Final Cut Pro. Isn't it crazy oh, now when you look at the, you, you can sit there on a phone and you can edit stuff. And back then, it's oh, like, yeah. it's like I, I had the camcorder. And I remember before when I did comedy, I had the, the mini tape, the, the middle, little the one. And you would sit there and then you didn't think, you really couldn't watch it on your TV. You had to plug with the patch cords into your VCR because the tape wouldn't fit. Yeah. And, but you sat there because when you were on the road, it was a lot easier carrying that smaller camera. But the same thing, you, yeah. you would dub it and you would send it to a booking agent. But no one could see it. It was like now YouTube, Everyone's like, I know people who've been to comedy for a year, and they're like taping specials. And I go, well, wait, you have four minutes of material. No, we have 30. No, you don't have 35. And they put it on YouTube, and you go, okay, now, is that what you like? Like, to sit there and have people, like, <laughs> not laugh for 21 minutes? Oh, no, no, you know. And it's just, it's funny, because now, with you, I mean, your yeah. stuff could have got so many watches back the, then. The, but there's nowhere. Oh, but there's nowhere for it to exist. I mean, and, and like, it's really been fascinating watching how like you know youtube and you know through youtube and vimeo and through uh you know uh easier versions of final cut pro or learning you know you're learning even just something stupid like iMovie you know like being able to like make stuff and create stuff and put it out and then have a social media a place where you can release all that kind of stuff like i i think of myself as one of the people that uses the internet for like a good reason you know like i make cool things and i put things out uh i don't put out garbage you know and and i i'm always very respectful of like people's feelings when i make stuff like I'm well, you're, not... but see you're you're a true you you have talent i, I think it's comes to content i mean in the bottom line is if, if you're doing films if we're doing a show like this Right. If we're, yeah. do, if we're doing a stand-up, we're all content producers. That's the bottom line. Sure, looking. of course. And yeah. you have to decide if you want to put quality or crap. Now, for me, I post all my shows. I think I have one stand-up video from the Ice House a few years ago, and I don't because I don't want to produce crap. Right. Of and course. I think yeah. a lot of people they don't they don't get the get the the mindset that what you're putting up is crap. They don't have the goggles. I'm sure if you sit there. And you tape something, or you, uh, not tape, I guess I still call it tape. Right, yeah, but Let's yeah, say you yeah. record something, still, like yeah. like a short or a sketch, with some friends. I'm sure some people will say, oh, this is really good. But if you think it, if you do think it's not right, yes. you're not going to post it. Cause, 100%. Because your bottom line is, you think that, you know what, your name is at, attached to it. And the bottom line is, I don't want a crap, I don't want something crappy connected to Cooper Talk. Just like you probably Absolutely. don't want something connected. And that's the thing. You're We're, we're like the 10%. Because yeah. most people go. Most people are just like, uh, everything is good. Everything is good. You're like, everything is terrible. Right. I, mean, I don't. I don't. I don't have my early episodes in here. I actually, I have. I have the Paul Tompkins episode because I'm, I'm old friends with Paul, and sure. that was one of my earlier things. But I have a bunch of like first 25, 30 episodes on oh, here that God. that were okay. But I'm like, I don't want them to be out. What if someone finds it, they go, God, this guy sucks. Oh my God, we. I do this podcast and uh, now who do you host that with? Uh, I I co-host this podcast with Kate Quigley, a okay, very I know, very funny I know her name. Yeah. stand-up comic. She's hysterical, and uh, she hosts a show called uh, uh, Playboy Undercover. It's on the Playboy Network, and and she's very 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 funny girl. And we co-host the show called Date Fails, which is on the Sideshow Network, and we've done episodes where we've taped them and then afterwards been like, Oh God, well that was boring. You know, like how are we going to cut that together and make that work? And then we've done episodes where people are fascinating that we would never have thought it was going to be as exciting, but we always go into it with like the hopes of it, of it being, you know, the best possible thing, but it can be a little, uh, you know, it, it you know, taping a podcast is, is it's gotta it's gotta work. You yeah, know, everyone's I, gotta be on their game and be open to talk and you know, if like you know, we've had people come on where they're like nervous or they're uncomfortable and it you know, we try to make them comfortable, but it's it that's a tricky one, man. I give you a lot of credit. You've been doing it a long time. Well, so. I, I sit there, I go and I don't I don't edit. I just come in and I, the thing is though, I play on six different internet stations, so I have to have content. I can't sit there if I think the show sucks. I'm screwed, and right. hopefully someone's not gonna sit there and go, "Man, what? How's this? Guy? This guy sucks." But no, okay, no, no, no. So, so now I want to go back to you in San Diego. Yeah. Now you're in San Diego. You're making these. You're making these short films. You're 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 getting that creative juice. You're being yeah. proactive, right. which is a great thing. 
So now when do you sit there and go, okay, you know, you want to get to LA, but how do you decide what? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, here's how, how it happened. It's, uh, it's absolutely ridiculous. Uh, I was, uh, I, I got fired from Blockbuster. What'd you, I, what'd you do? Oh man. Um, there was some, <laughs> some, um, I, I, uh, I wanted to like, I wanted to watch the, the, I think it was Terminator three. I wanted to watch that movie. And um, they uh, they said you know you're not allowed to you can't just watch it because I'd already seen I'd already rented all my free movies for the week but this girl was out of town that worked in the store because you only get like a couple of free movies every week that you're allowed to watch when you work at Blockbuster which by the way no one can work at Blockbuster anymore because it doesn't exist right exactly but um, <laughs> when at the time I was working there and you could have three movies a week that you'd watch and I'd already watched my three movies but I wanted to watch Terminator so i asked uh my the guy that was working with me at the time i was like hey man his name was paul i'm like hey paul can you do me a favor can you rent me a movie on this other girl's account because she's out of town and she gets free movies even though she's not in town can you rent me her free movie and he was like yeah no worries click 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 here you go free movie right so i'm stoked i like i go home i watch terminator 3 it's terrible all right I bring it back the next day. I hand it in. I'm, you know, no big deal. But a week later, I get a call from the manager of the of the place. They bring me in to to the back office, and they're like, "Steven, um, did you rent a movie on another girl's account, on like some girl's account?" And I was like, "Yeah." And she goes, "You know, that's like a class A violation." <laughs> and I was like, "What are you talking?" I was like, "She wasn't in town. Like, it's not a big deal." And she goes. Well, a manager had to approve that. Which manager approved it? Of you know, of you getting this girl, getting a movie on this girl's account, and used it, you the code. I go, I'm not going to tell you who that is. And she goes, you have to tell us who authorized this class A, a violation. You have to tell us who it is. And I was like, I don't have to tell you anything. I'm not going to sell out this this dude, right? Like I'm not, I'm not a sellout. You know? right. <laughs> she was like, you have to, okay? You work for this company. I was like, I'm, I don't do anything, okay? You guys pay me like $4, okay? I don't care. I'm like, I'm going to go back to work now, okay? She calls up uh, corporate, corporate from uh, the region, okay? The regional manager comes in, sits me down in the back room. Steven, we need to know who is committing class A violations. We have our cameras in the store do not work. Uh, you know, I, I don't know if you know that, but they're not working right now. And we need to know who committed this crime. Okay. And I go, what are you talking about? I'm not going to throw somebody under the bus because I wanted to watch a, a crappy movie that you guys shouldn't even have on the shelf. I mean, Terminator 3 is a garbage dump of a movie. And she's like, you will not. You will tell us. You work for us. And I'm like, I, I work for myself. Okay. I don't need this kind of shit. And we're fighting. Right. And then she's like, we will, we will continue to, this discussion when corporate gets here in a week. Corporate shows up like the head corporate person for all of California flies in, sits down with me and is like, why don't you tell us right now who authorized the class A violation? And I was like, I'm not going to tell you. All right. There's no way you're going to get me to tell me. And she goes, she goes, take your badge off. I need your badge. I was like, you mean my name tag? She's like, take it off. Take it off. Takes it. She takes the badge from me, tosses it. Okay. She's like, I'm done with you. You're fired. Okay. I'm like, whatever. I get up. I start to walk out. I turn to the whole store. Okay. And I go, guys, they fired me. I'm leaving. I'm going to work at Hollywood video. Who's coming with me? Who's coming with me? You, Jamie, you coming with me? You know what? Screw you, Jamie. No one ever liked you. What about you, Lisa? Lisa? Who's coming with me? Lisa? I know Lisa. They got good benefits over there, Lisa. Who's coming with me, Lisa? And then I slowly walked out. I did my Jerry Maguire, yeah. you know, and, thing, and, and I walked out. And then okay. Renee Zellweger walked in and said, I'm right. coming with you, Steven. I'm <laughs> right, coming exactly. with you. So. I, wa I walk out. Uh, about two months later, I'm working at Hollywood Video. I'm over at the grocery store, you know, down the street and getting some groceries. I run into Paul, the guy whose job I saved. And I go, hey, Paul, 
uh, by the way, <laughs> totally saved your job. He goes, at where? I go, at, uh, at Blockbuster Video. He goes, oh, they fired me from there. I go, they fired you? For what? He goes, oh, I was stealing Xboxes. I was like, what? He goes, yeah, I'd been stealing. I'd stolen like nine. It was like when back when they used to sell the Xbox. He stole nine. The only reason they were upset because they knew that somebody had been stealing Xboxes. And they were hoping whoever the bad guy was who had done the Class A violation with me had also would be the same guy. I was like basically helping a guy steal from the from the store. So that uh oh and here's the best part of that story. Um when Cameron Crowe was doing the the movie We Bought a Zoo, he uh his kids are uh huge big time rush fans. So he invited me to come and like hang out with him for a day and like just talk about maybe being in the movie or like, you know, working together and I went in and sat with Cameron Crowe and I told him that story about about getting fired from Blockbuster and doing his Jerry Maguire speech. And he laughed so hard I thought he was going to fall off his chair. And it was like the greatest, you know, little circle being closed that's ever happened to me, for sure. For sure. Anyways, so so you, you long leave. story short, Blockbuster's over, Hollywood video's over, right? In the, I get a job at Legoland in San Diego as a security guard, uh, which I really enjoyed because of the golf cart. Like, I really liked uh, driving a golf cart around. Which, uh, by the way, on my keychain right now, I still have a golf cart key I stole from Legoland. I still have it. I used it all the time at Paramount when we were shooting Big Time Rush. I stole Ryan Murphy's golf cart. I stole a lot of people's golf cart, and I got a lot of trouble repeatedly for stealing. Like Laz and uh, and uh, Jed and everyone else from uh, you know Big Time Rush, all the producers, they'll tell you I used to get in trouble for stealing golf carts like on the daily. Uh, but what ended up happening was I'm working at Legoland. And uh, I got asked by my, like, it's like my uncle. My, he's like a second uncle, I guess. Is that a thing? Second uncle? Like um, a second cousin? The second cousin. So I guess, yeah, it would be. Like an uncle-in-law? No, I think there's an uncle. It's probably know. like a second. Well, we know what you're talking about. Like a second cousin. It's like my like mom's cousin's cousin. husband. Yeah, it's like a third cousin. He was putting on a musical, and the mus- he wrote a musical. And he uh, asked me if I would tour the country in the musical, if I'd just be in the musical. And I had gone to musical theater school, and I'd done a million musicals growing up. So I said yes, and I left my uh, my stupid job at Legoland with everyone that hated me at Legoland because I was a terrible employee, uh, of course. And because uh, I'm not, I'm not good at regular jobs. I'm, I get easily distracted, and I. <laughs> I screw around too much, and uh, and so, anyways, I, I you know I left Legoland and uh, went on tour with a horrible, horrible musical called A Stoop on Orchard Street, and I toured all over the U.S. and Canada doing this musical. And the best part was, it was the early days of the internet in the sense that like um, there was you know Facebook was barely I don't, I don't think it even existed at the time or it was barely barely there and uh, uh the, the point being is that we would go and perform in these cities and then we just move on and the review would come out on our performance after we left so it would have no effect on right. our ticket sales <laughs> and it took about six months of us touring for us to start getting the reviews in and then the, we started seeing the reviews and it was like worst thing to happen to chicago since the <laughs> chicago fire you know, like just, you know, like worst thing that happened to St. Louis since all those people were murdered. Like just every single town we went to and people hated it. And I had a great time doing it. And the musical ended its tour in Los Angeles. And uh, we landed at the Canoga Park bowling alley. And, I, uh, I did comedy there one time. Oh, did you? Uh, Dante. You oh, Jesus Christ. I think it was, it was one of those. I was, it was one of those, I was like this school, I was school around when he was moved out here. And I'm like, I'm like, all right, Canoga. And it, it's weird. Like bowling alleys and comedy just doesn't, doesn't seem right. Yeah. Yeah. So, wait, so no, you, that was, that's where I landed. So we you were landed, doing a play in a I bowling was, alley. No, no. Well, I was doing a play <laughs> down the street from the bowling alley. Get it right. All right, buddy. Down the street. No, but then we were living at the hotel connected okay. to the bowling alley. So I went in and uh, one night when we had the night off, I went in to the bowling alley bar and they were doing stand up in the bar 
And uh, I, I, I was watching this guy named uh, Sheldon Tuck, and he was on stage and he was bombing, and I started heckling him from the audience. And I started getting laughs for heckling him. And I was like, that's so sad. It's just a sad, mean thing to do. <laughs> and then he gets off stage, and this guy Matt Walker gets on stage. I know Matt. Red, you know, redhead yeah. guy, right? So Matt Walker gets on stage, and he immediately starts roasting me from the stage. And he's brutal, you know? So he just takes <laughs> me apart in front of everybody. And uh, and I was like, because I, I had been heckling his friend. And uh, Matt Walker, incidentally, and me have been friends now for 12 years, okay. almost 12 years, Uh we hung out yesterday. Like he's, I, he's good friends with Mike Miratori. Yes, he is. And, I, and that's who I lived with. Okay. The oh, first God. person. Oh, God. That's when I serious. left the tour, I moved on to Mike Miratori's oh, couch. That, that, and I lived in his house. That we'll have to talk about another time. Oh, I, God, love I love Mike. I love Mike. Terrifying. He is, he's yeah. great. He's a great guy, but he's just, he's so, he's, he never stops. No, no, no. He, he used to like put me in a white t shirt and then he'd take a red pen and he'd be like, I'm going to stab you in the chest with this red pen. Try to defend yourself. And I'd be like, What? And then he would be like, bah, 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 and just stab me like 16 times in the chest. And then he'd make me turn the shirt inside out so he could do it again. It was terrifying. <laughs> so, so you, you, comedians, living with comedians. You're heckling and then Matt, so then Matt roasted Matt you. roasted me and then, uh, and then afterwards, uh, I. I went up to Dante and I was like, I want to start doing stand up. Like, and he was like, you can go up next week. And I was like, okay. And so then I spent the whole next week writing like a comedy stand up set for the first time. And I tried it out on my ex girlfriend over the phone and she hated it. And I was like, well, then, then I'm good. It's going to gonna go. work. It's going to work. It's going to be good. <laughs> she hates it. Then, then it's going to be great. And so then I tried it and I had a great, um, a great first set. And it was really fun. And then I tried to do the exact same jokes the following week, and it went horribly. And uh, and then slowly, slowly, I learned how to like perform as a comic. And it you know it took a few months of uh, of work to start you know kind of having okay sets and trying things out. And I love it. I love doing. So now, at what point did you start getting into acting where Big Time Rush came up? Were you doing some acting, then you got the audition for that? Because it's, I mean, it seems like, you know, you're doing, you're trying to do stand-up, and you were, I mean, how did that come about? Because that's such it's a big It's a weird show. life, man. It's been a weird life. Um, I was doing stand-up a lot, and um, it, it became, like, the main focus. And then uh, I get over to, um, to what's it called? Um, I'm doing stand-up. I end up getting a job. Um, to support my stand-up habit, basically, I'm uh, I'm working at Rage at a gay club on Santa Monica as a bouncer, and uh, and um, I'm working there at nighttime, and then during the day I'm working at an oil factory where they make perfumes for witches. Just so that we're <laughs> on the same page, I worked at a oil factory where they made perfume for witches. Okay, it's like a Wiccan oil factory run by like fat massive gothy chicks there was a the, the woman who owned the place was gorgeous but there was just a lot of morbidly obese gothy girls working at this place it was a rough it was a rough job so i'd work there during the day and i'd smell like patchouli and then at nighttime i'd go and work as a bouncer and then the nights off that i had i'd go and do stand-up and like sometimes i'd go right from the shitty oil place to like do a set and then i'd go and work you know the late night shift as a bouncer somewhere. I was doing that. Um, I was doing that a lot, and then I got offered a job at. I worked at the Friars Club for a while as a piano player. That got me kind of into the deeper into the comedy scene, and then um, the comedy store offered me a job working in the office during the day. And the deal was at the comedy store, you work in the office, and then at nighttime you get to do little you know like like three minutes on stage or five minutes so i i start doing that that becomes the uh the job and it's working at the you know comedy store it's insane like an insane you know place to work but as i'm working at the comedy store uh this this guy eric marino uh very very funny guy comes up to me and he goes hey man uh don't you sing and i was like yeah and he goes Hey, you know they're auditioning uh, the Shrek musical, 
you should go audition for that Shrek thing. And I was like, you should go kiss right. my ass. I was like, I'm not <laughs> doing that stuff. That's crazy. And he was like, no, 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 you should audition. You should audition. And, like, I went to the uh, to the open call for Shrek the musical uh, and um, auditioned uh, opposite about 100 other fat guys for the role of Shrek in the Broadway musical Shrek. And then uh, after about 25 to 30 callbacks for the show over a period of like a few months, I beat everybody else out and got cast as Shrek on Broadway in New York and had to like quit, leave my job and move to New York to go and do the show. And when that happened at that moment is when I got signed by my first manager. I got, you know, everybody started like coming to the table you know, right, to right. something happen. And uh, it was huge. It was, a, you know, a huge deal. And uh, I, I went out there, and, and then when um, I worked on Shrek for, like, two years, like, helping them kind of put the show together. And when Shrek ended, uh, I came back to L.A., and right after I got back to L.A., that's when uh, I got an audition for what I thought was a voiceover job, but what turned out to be big time so what's that like so you sit there i mean you had you're doing shrek so you're doing you know you're doing well yeah I'm and, doing, right? and then you sit there and you come out and all of a sudden you, you have no it's like anything with these nickelodeon shows they don't know if they're gonna be huge or not i mean it's something like i i carly blows up for right. this did you have any idea that it would become this hit and then all of a sudden your whole fan base changes your life changes because it's before if you I, I got a fan base and that's people but it's a different i mean it's kids it's moms it's like yeah hey, so, so when you go when you go in for that first season, do you think it's going to last for a while? You know what, man? I was um, I'm a very positive person, so I kind of went into it thinking that we were going to run forever. Like I was like, oh my god, this is going to be you know this is going to be amazing. You know, it's going to be you know like I'm going to do this for. I didn't. I had no idea. You know, it's an adventure. Like it was really an adventure. Like I had no idea what was going to happen or what I was going to play or or I mean I knew who I was going to play, but I I didn't know what the character was going to end up doing or you know where how many episodes we'd get to do, how many bizarre things I'd get to dress up as, and how many times I'd get hit in the face with a you know a cream pie or how many times I'd be thrown off a building. You know, like. You know, like, you know, like I had no idea when we started what it was going to be like. The only inkling that I had was um, I said to the president of Nickelodeon, hey, uh, do you think, um, do, I don't know if it was the president, it was one of the executives. And I said, what do you, do you think the show is going to do well? And she said, um, it will, it will do well. And I said, yeah, like hopefully. You know, and she was like, no, 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 it'll do well. And I was like, yeah, but like, you know, hopefully the kids are like into it. And she was like, no, 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 Steven, you don't understand. We're going to tell them that they have to watch it. And then if they miss it, they're going to feel awful if they miss the show. Kids are going to need to see the show. Like we're going to hammer it home into their brain that this is the most important thing that's happening all week it's the biggest thing and if they miss it it's like they're gonna come in to school on monday and everyone's gonna be like what did you miss it you missed it you know like that's what we're gonna do and i was like um okay <laughs> and then it was like literally the highest rated thing in the history it was the highest rated show in the history of the network now and it was insane. Now it's it's getting these huge ratings. Now yeah. how does that change your life? I mean, how does it change when you go out? I mean, bizarre. I, think, I mean, bizarre I mean, man. I, I want to know because it's like you 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 know you're used to going to the mall. You know, before you could go to the mall. Yeah. But now now it, I can go to the mall again. But yeah, but <laughs> but the thing is, but for at that time, yeah. it's just because kids. It's like kids are like soap opera fans. Like right. they sit there and they have this this just this, ben, not this just they're, they're crazy. So what, what's it like for you? Like, when do you notice that this show is a huge hit? I mean, was there a time where you sat there and one night went somewhere and went, holy crap, I'm, I'm, I'm like in this giant, giant show. Oh, I mean, definitely like 
the mall going to the mall or going to like um and you know having things happen like uh like I was in San Diego. I know it's gonna this is probably too dirty. No, it's fine, it's fine. I was in San Diego and uh just visiting, it was right after the show had come out and uh I was in a Starbucks and this lady you know, came up to me, very pretty lady came up to me and she had a tattoo on her neck and she was like, Hey, you're that guy from that thing, right? My kids watch that that thing. And I was like, Oh yeah, yeah, that's me and she was like, Are you are do you live down here? And I was like, No, I'm just in town for a little bit and she was like I'd love you to come by uh, my house and sign some autographs for my kids. And I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, I mean, I guess so. Well, when? <laughs> and she goes, I don't know, like 1 o'clock in the morning tonight? <laughs> and I was like, okay. And then I went to her house at 1 o'clock in the morning, and we had sex. And it was <laughs> amazing. Mind-blowing. Isn't that great? At a Starbucks. Mind-blowing. At a Starbucks. At a Starbucks. <laughs> I'm like, like, I was like, my life is completely different. Like, this is, who gets to do this? Like, right. this is incredible. Does everyone get to, is this what, like, Greg Robinson gets to do? And, like, all these other guys that I'm a fan of? I'm like, this is, Seth Rogen get to do this? I was like, this is so cool. So, like, that was a huge deal. Uh, on that side of things, um, and then on the uh, like the fan side of things, it was like I was at a uh, I was at C's Candy in the mall, like I normally am, you know, <laughs> and uh, I was buying some candy. Hey, they have those free samples. That's what I always oh, stop by. It's like I just go in, and my greatest. girlfriend goes, "What are you doing?" I go, "Hey, we're at the mall. I have to go to C's." She goes, "You don't even like candy." I go, "It's free." Free. It's free and it's, it's seized. free and it's delicious. And that's like a three dollar piece of candy. Oh yeah, that's a serious <laughs> piece of candy right there. So I go in there. I was buying candy from my mom, uh, quote unquote, and uh, and uh, no, I'm buying candy from my mom. And uh, some kid in line who was like twelve looks at me and he goes, "Hey, you're, aren't you the guy from Big Time Rush?" And I was like, "Yeah." And he goes, "Oh my god!" And he turns to the to the whole line of people and he goes you guys don't realize who's standing in line with us and then he <laughs> runs out of the store and goes and gets like all his friends and all these 15 you know 15 or 16 like 13 14 year old kids come running into seize candy and they all want to take pictures and it was like that was the first time it had ever happened where i was like holy crap like this is like a huge deal especially because i look like me on the show like i don't I'm not like that different from right. how I normally am, and I dress about the same and all that kind of stuff. So, I, you know, I was getting um, recognized all the time. I still get recognized, usually about like, I'd say four to five times a week. I'm still getting recognized out in public by you know teenagers and you know moms and things like this. But uh, it's not as much as it was then. But it's it you know it's still really fun. Like I love. Didn't you meet Bob Saget and John Stamos? Yeah, well, no, I met uh, Saget. Uh, Saget and me got to hang out in New York when I, when I was doing Shrek. He was doing this musical called uh, The Drowsy Chaperone, and he was amazing. In it. He was the narrator of the show. So I got to go backstage, and he invited me to his dressing room, and we sat in his dressing room, and we talked about what it was like to work on a Broadway show, and it was my first time doing anything Broadway-wise, you know. So just getting a chance to like hang out with him was amazing. And I then I saw I didn't know that Bob was friends with Jeff Ross, so me and Bob hung out with Jeff Ross at his house a couple times, and then um, we see we see each other around. And I I love Saga. He's I'm a massive massive fan. And he is the sweetest guy. I, I know someone who I know someone who worked his reality show did the sound for it, and he said he was the best guy. He was just so cool to work for, and like he would sit there and go, okay, like everyone was they did some stuff in Vegas, yeah, and, they, and like they they're like want to buy Tiger to shop. He's like, we used to buy my crew a shop because there's a crew of like five guys, sound yeah. guy, and movie guy. And I heard he's great like that. So he's who else, such a good guy. So who else have guy. you met from through your show? Somebody, I mean, Cameron Crowe. That, that's oh, awesome. Yeah, Cameron Crowe. Uh, Guillermo del Toro was a really is is probably the biggest. Um, you know, who directed uh, right. You know, everything Pacific Rim, and Hellboy, all that kind of stuff. Uh, that was a big surprise because uh, he just wanted me to come meet his kids, and it kind of turned into like this really great friendship where like I see him around, we talk sometimes. And, 
he brought me in for he brought me in for some movies and you know he's always uh very positive and really interesting guy uh kevin smith and i now like know each other which is kind of phenomenal and, and, and insane to like that he was such a huge inspiration in the beginning of his career and then uh jason muse and me are our buddies and hang out and um there's there's a lot of like there's been a lot of them where um where you see you know this business takes you to some very strange places because uh it puts you into like a category where you get to meet people that you wouldn't have met before snoop dogg um came and did an episode of our show and then him and me had this amazing experience like getting to like hang out together was super crazy i got to meet cube uh when uh ice like ice cube a couple times and uh we did morning television together at ktla i think and it was it was really fun like it's been a really the road for this has been completely insane and it keeps getting weirder i keep having incidences with people that i'm a huge fan of that i get to like work with or or spend i love now, now the show. Did you know originally once it started, it was going to go for? Because the Nickelodeon usually does five years. Is it they do a certain plan? Like there's some they they decide their shows will go for a few years. Yeah, well, they said in our first season that we were going to do. I think we did thirty episodes first season, and then second season, like second season we did like twenty five, and then third season was like ten, and we were like ah ah ten. We thought we were going to do another 30. And then fourth season, I think we did. We did a movie at one point, but then we had to wait a year to come back. It was crazy because our show had a band on it. And so the band, Big Time Rush, who was like the band, they were actually touring. Okay. And so the label was getting money out of them while they were touring. So they wanted to keep them on tour. But the only way that there's a successful band is if they also are on a television show. So we needed to keep shooting the television show, but you know, like that was a very that was very difficult. Nickelodeon had never done that before. Have a have a TV show that's about a a thing that's touring, that's getting the ratings up every time they tour, but then they have to make more so that the band is still successful and that if the show's good, then the music's good. Like it was very Disney's done it a bunch and they wanted to do it too and. It was successful in some ways, and in other ways, it was, uh, a, I think, a very exhausting for for the network. And I don't know if they'll ever do it. I hope that they do it again, but I don't. I don't think so. I think it was a lot of work for them. So when it ends, are you bummed, or do you sit there and go, "I have a new door openings"? I mean, it's got to be something. That you're... Oh, oh no, no. When it ended, I was so happy, and I was. Uh, I no, no. I wanted. To, I wanted to shoot myself. No, I mean, because you get. You, yeah, I mean, because you get. Used <laughs> no, no. To it, it was horrendous, man. Like ending that not, show not... was horrendous. It was the worst. Now was it worse it was than like... when, when Shrek ended? Because both were yeah, different. Um, no, 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 no. Worse, worse for sure, for sure. Like. Shrek ending was emotionally very uh, hard on me because uh, I loved doing it and uh, it was very connected to my heart and I felt very uh, emotionally connected to that show um, and uh, and it was kind of a rough way of, of ending for me, of getting out of it um, but Big Time Rush was harder because I'd done it for so long and I had this you know group of people around me who were like a work family and i have my own family i love my family but having this work family where you come to come every day and it's like you know you see a hundred people and these hundred people are happy to see you and there's everyone giving you a hug when they're happy to see you and and uh you're making people laugh and you're getting paid and the pay part of it wasn't even i mean it was a big deal to me but it wasn't even like the big part of it like it was like the fact that i was making something and that i was getting to like be part of history and then it was over was uh was very very uh emotionally tricky and it was hard because it was like you know i had grown to like love love being something and then you're like well now what happened? like where do 
what happens next? And, you know, agents and people are like, oh, it's going to be awesome. It's going to be awesome. Now now we finally have you to do things with. And then that attitude kind of vanishes after about a month. Yeah, we don't really know what to do with you, actually. Right. That was the, hey, that, that Nickelodeon thing was probably the best thing. Oh, you, you should have done more of that. You're like, oh, I'm going to shoot myself. Um, not really, but you know what I'm saying. It was it was tricky, and you know it's it took a long time for me to book another gig. I mean, we finished that two years ago, and about a year after we finished doing Big Time Rush, I booked another television show for one episode, and then a year and a half, a year or so later, um end of last year i booked my first movie which i can't really talk about but it's can you hear me yeah all right um but yeah uh i booked my first movie but a year ago animated movie really 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 big uh bigger than anything i've ever done before and uh per, like where i'm the least famous person involved everybody else i'm the only person that's only been on a television show okay. every single person in it is like a big giant movie star or a huge you know massively famous person who's produced a million things so that comes out in a year from this month so in a year from now i'll be in this massive animated movie as one of like the main characters and that'll be that'll be a whole new adventure for me right you know and i'm really looking forward to that too but what's exciting for me is is that like you know, I I get to keep doing crazy stuff and making weird stuff and producing and acting and doing stand up and and continuing this adventure that is like, you know, crazy. It's and it's it's always changing, you know. Now, how is, I love it. How is the transfer back to stand up just for the fact that now when people let's say an adult sees you, they know you as that character. And so, from Big Time Rush, does that influence your stand-up? Do people sit there and sometimes go, holy crap, I mean, I, I haven't seen your act. Oh, this guy's filthy. I can't yeah. believe it. Yeah, I get a little bit of that. I mean, I'm not a filthy, filthy comic, but, you know, I love I love being a little dirty, you know, on stage. You know, I'm not I'm not Saget, but I am a little dirty. Well, and that I think, makes it fun. I mean, yeah, that's, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I'm not like, I, you know, as a human being, I'm just who I am you know, on stage, you know, as like, as just me being myself for the most part. And I'm mostly a storyteller on stage. So I'm just telling true stories that really happened to me. And, um, that makes it so that, you know, I, if I use language or I say something that's kind of messed up or whatever, it's, it's, um, based on something real, you know? So the emotions are real. It's not, uh, it's not fake. So, I don't know. I love I love it. And, you know, now, you know, the show's been on the, you know, Big Time Rush was on long enough that uh, I think first episode aired in 2008. And uh, we were really, really big with 16 year olds. So all those 16 year olds that were watching in 2008 are now in college and they all come watch the show and they all come from UCLA and they freak out when they when when I go on stage and they're like, oh, my God, that's the guy from the thing I grew up with. I get that a lot. I grew up watching you on TV. I get that a lot. That must be great, though. Shocking and wonderful at the same time. And you I know, love it. you should do a big college tour. You can make the bank, man. The I bank. probably will. I have to figure out how to Dude, do that. Still I have to figure NACA, that out. man. You could. I'm telling you, you can. Yeah. Get, you can make bank. And and you everyone would, tells me to do that. NACA. Yeah, but that's thing? the that that's who books. They I mean NACA is a, yeah. a thing. But for you, everyone, it's like sometimes you know. If you go in college to do colleges, sometimes they, they put you in a cafeteria in the noon, you know, like whatever. Right. But for you, you have you already have a built in fan base. I mean, yeah. people would say, Yeah, you could make money. You could you know, you could do two colleges a week and make bank. Jeez. Bank. I well, should maybe manage I should, you. I should go do that. <laughs> no, you should do it because I think because you as you said, people grew up with you and these twenty one year olds and these they all know you. And that's like if you hear Oh, I'd be so down for that. I did I, I think I performed at uh I did uh, you know, uh, UCSD one time, like years ago, a couple of years, like while Big Time Rush was on TV, I went down and did it and it was just the most fun I've ever had. Those kids were great. Oh yeah, so. now it's great though. So now, now how often do you stand up? 
I, I do it like usually about once to on a good week, three times in a week. Um, on a week on a regular week, usually about once a week. Now, how did, how did the podcast come about? Oh man. Um, well, you know how like everybody started doing podcasts and yeah. became like this thing where like everyone's like, oh, I'm doing a podcast. And you're like, aren't you the janitor at Wendy's? Right. <laughs> how are you doing? A what are you talking about? Like, you know, like that, it just became like a thing. Right. And so I got asked a lot to do, you know, oh, you should do a podcast. You should find a place to do a podcast. And I really honestly didn't want to do one unless it was like badass and super amazing. And we had like a studio like this, like this studio is awesome. Like, I wanted to do it in, like, a studio. I didn't want to do it in my living room. Right. I did one in a car in a parking lot in a mall in August one time as a guest. And I went, oh. I went. you could have just came up to my apartment. I have a nice big place. You, you know, it's right around the corner. I have central air. Yeah. And, and I was like, you could have done that. You could have brought your sound equipment there. Oh, no, no, this is more organic. No, it's not. It's like I'm painting the ass. It's more organic. Yeah. No, people are nuts. <laughs> you know, I, I really didn't want to do it unless it was great. You know, like, just the same thing as we were talking about in the beginning. Like, I'm not really down to like show people things unless it's awesome. Right. You know? And um I went and did a podcast called Date Fails that was hosted by Kate Quigley. It, she'd been doing it for a long time at the John through John Lovitz through their podcast studio, right. which is now gone. And uh I go I go over there and I did her podcast. We had only met like once or twice and I loved it. I was like, this is right up my alley. We like her and me hit it off right away. And I like loved doing that. And I was like, Kate, if like if if you ever get out of your contract here, we should go and find like a like another studio and like do the show together. Like host the show together. Like get out of your deal here and let's go do something. And uh she ended up getting out of her deal at Lovitz and her and me went and looked around at a couple networks and Sideshow has like you know, Eliza Schlesinger and Gilbert Godfrey right. and uh, it has Brad Williams and lots of wonderful people and we just really hit it off with them and uh, until so we started doing our uh, our show there and doing it together and it was so much fun and uh, we've taped kind of like seven or eight episodes and it's awesome. Anytime right. we do it, I, I have a great time. And I love it because it's like you go in and we'll tape a couple at the same time. You know, how you, you I do, kinda, three, you yeah. do the same thing. You know, you tape a bunch at the same time, you bank them, and then you uh, you can move on. You can do other stuff. And then uh, it's it comes out, you know, it comes out and it's funny. Well, I want to I thank you for coming on. Let's see, an, an hour fly. See, hours fly on the Wow, look at that. Yeah, so and it's exactly there. Now, give all your info, your your Twitter, all that sure. stuff. Sure. Give all of it. All right, guys, you can find me on Twitter at Stephen Glickman, S-T-E-P-H-E-N. Uh, oh, Glickman, G-L-I-C-K-M-A-N. That's uh, on Twitter. On YouTube, it's Funny Guy from TV, all one word. Uh, Instagram, same thing, Stephen Glickman. Um, hit me up on LinkedIn. Uh, if you're a professional person and you want to, <laughs> you want to like hang out and talk about cool LinkedIn stuff. Um, yeah, that's me, Stephen Glickman. Thanks a lot, guys. I, I wanna, appreciate I it. Oh, and the name of the show, the, the podcast is called Date Fails and you can get it on the, uh, podcast app on your iPhone. Go check that out, people. So yeah, check them out. Follow them on Twitter. Follow me on Twitter at Cooper Talk. That's at Cooper Talk. I tweet a lot. Also go to my website, coopertalk.net. I have over 415 episodes of past shows up there. Go listen. There's a ton of great guests. You know, if you ever watch TV and you see an actor, a character actor, pretty good chance he's been on my show. So go check it out. Also, you can follow me on iTunes or Stitcher's Cooper Talk. And uh, what else? Oh, oh, if you have a Google or Android Play, uh, one of those thingies, uh, I have an app. Go to the, the, the Play Store and uh, look at Cooper Talk and you can get the app. And also, don't forget my other website, Stop the Salt, StopTheSalt.com. Remember when I got out of the hospital with my heart problem? I uh, had to change my diet completely, so I wrote that cookbook. It's, uh, it's basically 120 easy recipes, easy to make, no pictures to imitate you, no no ingredients you don't have in the house. So you got to get that. Go to StopTheSalt.com. You can go to Amazon. You can go to BarnesandNoble.com. But if you go to StopTheSalt.com, I make more money, and I'll autograph it for you. So do that. So don't forget, check out Stephen Glickman. Go check out his stuff on YouTube. He's a very funny guy. Watch old episodes of Big Time Rush. Look when he's doing comedy. Check him out. 
and follow me. It's at Cooper Talk, and you can email me, cooper at coopertalk.net. I always respond. So don't forget, I'm Steve Cooper. I'm only sit by my hip as my guest. Don't forget, drink your water, eat your vegetables, take your vitamins, and guys, I will talk to you next week.